just like the ones I used to do.
a mega wank show. I am your host, the king. And tonight, you're in for a special comedic surprise. We're going to call in at 420. We have our own candy store over here. At um, getting serious here for the holidays. Um, yeah, and we have actually a fresh single that was just dropped today by a, a local ambient rock band here. Uh, Chroma C. I thought I was going to blast this. It be a great way to start off the show. Ambient is great. This is Chroma C. This is her new single, Open Ocean.
That is Chroma C live here, Mutiny Radio. FM. Gosh, that was pretty relaxing. I just forgot about like all of my worries. Not that I have any worries. I'm a candy man. You know. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it's really the ambient music is is a thing. You know, there's something about kind of that that you know in the golden years of the you know the jazz and just having this musical noise in the background um that is therapeutic and so um on that note um yeah so i have a comedian that was going to be calling at 420 i don't know with this weather um you know how it's going out there so i'm not going to hold them against them if they uh if they don't make it here um i know that there's uh, some big accident on the freeway i feel like a news reporter here uh i think since we're talking about therapy there is uh an old classical pianist that i uh i really well it feels like rainy weather music because it is pouring here in san francisco it's just dripping wet outside um we got a candy um shop online it's exciting um so everything ships direct all these candies and some good uh stocking stuffers and yeah everything uh so this is uh yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little piece or a little spoken poetry maybe um what was worthy uh, frederick chopin Something in your eyes was so exciting, something in your smile was so inviting, something in my heart told me I must have you. Strangers in the night, two lonely people, we were strangers in the night. Up until the moment when we said our first hello, little did we know, love was just a glance away, a warm embracing dance away. And ever since that night, we've been together, lovers at first sight. In love forever, it turned out all right for strangers in the night. Yeah, so, um, the, uh, the best of Chopin. Wacapel here. I'm not sure if this, this microphone is, like, too, like, wrapped I'm wondering if, if, yeah, I might just actually, s all right, so I've got some more uh, ambient music for you, and then we're going to be taking a call at 420. If that um, doesn't go through, then I'm going to have a crazy fucking um, piano jam session here. Uh, so this uh, this song is called Arcada. Uh, it's a local band called Sunk. 
Um, they've written a song, Lightning, that has become my Candyman theme. And it uh, has a lot of wildlife in this song, uh, which is one of very many things of what I enjoy of this um, collaboration. And uh, yeah, so this is uh, called Arcada. Listen for the, the wildlife. Sarah? Sarah? Hello? Oh, wow. Yeah, I got to crank this thing. I don't know. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, I uh, I know. it's Gosh, it's freaking so wet outside. It's insane. Happy 420 to everyone out there. Yeah, so I know that you're... um. You're a, a local comedian here in the Bay Area, which is um, an interesting time to be an artist in general. And um, what are you up to right now? Yeah, no, we're we're definitely adapting over here as well. Um, I know that Alameda uh, Comedy, that the club in Alameda, they're doing um, outdoor you know comedy. I don't know if you've been there yet. I know that they're having a, a show tonight, and luckily they have all the the tarps and everything closing that off. I saw that on Facebook actually. Yeah, I have not got a chance to check it out yet, but I want to um, go and support. I just have my own commitments in San Francisco tonight, but I have. Uh, definitely earmarked it for a long time to go check that out because they're doing really good things <laughs> yeah you know what is i uh i i've heard so many great well i mean like doing a zoom <laughs> i just can't imagine everyone out there listening to it. it's like doing a zoom online where it's just like everyone's on mute and you like you you know you you lay a nice joke out there 
and it's just so dry because there's you know there's no audience to work with really i mean um i mean as far as uh audio audio wise yeah um, definitely yeah it even kind of has when you even do get a reaction it just feels a little bit late (laughs) because of latency and uh from a comedy perspective it's definitely an awkward thing to get used to yeah. It reminded me of the first time I performed for people that uh, were at, like, cannabis clubs and stuff. You think going into those that they're going to be, like, the best shows ever because everyone's high and it's easy to make high people laugh. <laughs> but usually what it does is it makes people laugh, like, three seconds late <laughs> and really muffled and quiet. So it's actually, like, a really awkward kind of tepid response. And that's sort of what Zoom feels like is performing for high people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That That's so... I don't know. That's fun. I mean, like you're saying, the idea of doing a stand-up in a, um, in a dispensary or, you know, cannabis situation seems really promising. I just, I feel like maybe it was executed right, but, um, man, I mean, I, that probably isn't happening anymore, but that sounds like a fun idea. I can't just imagine sitting back and smoking a loose one and listening to some. Um, I used to have a really great show at uh, Urban Farm. And there's another spot called the Green Door that has a back patio that did comedy shows. And they were actually really fun, and a lot of people went to them. And I do miss those venues a lot. I hope to see more, actually, uh, cannabis-themed comedy shows and stuff once things are back open. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of was it an urban, uh, urban Farm. That was the first dab bar that I ever seen, um, you know, and uh, walking in there. And so d- was it... Um, was it uh urban farm is on the corner was at 10th and mission street and then um the other location was a green door that one's on fifth and howard i think yeah it is yeah gosh i hope they're doing all right i mean I've, it seems like the cannabis industry has really been booming but yeah um, yeah they've been getting my business that's for sure i've had nothing to do there have been <laughs> weeks where i literally have not left like especially at the beginning of lockdown when things were really uncertain i have a work from home day job and comedy was all zoom at that point so it uh definitely (laughs) was the most i've ever been within these four walls there's like nothing to do but experiment with cannabis yeah i i don't know there's there's yeah it's a great place to be to say i've been doing the same i must think a lot of folks out there are um yeah, I don't know. I remember waking. I remember just waking up and be like, "Fuck, what am I just gonna sit around all day? I gotta do something," <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so are you? Um, you have a this new YouTube channel. I was gonna talk about that, but I was gonna ask you: Are you? Are you currently? Are you in San Francisco? Or are you in the East Bay? Or I'm in San Francisco, actually. Oh, badass! Yeah, so I'm a. Uh, I'm in Bernal, I guess. Bernal Mission. I, I don't know. They're calling. Okay. They're calling I'm it, familiar with that. I like that neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. I mean, like they're calling it Bernal Heights. I feel strange. But I don't know. You know El Rio. They're calling it mm-hmm. El, El Rio Bernal Heights now. Interesting. And, um, I yeah. Consider El Rio, in my mind, is Mission. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, like for me, I definitely feel like I feel like Outer Mission. I feel like yeah, but I guess they're calling it Bernal Heights. I don't know. That's what all the real estate's calling it. But uh, you know, I've been walking up that hill you know, a couple times a day, and um, I'm kind of just kind of exploring, uh, 
these different um, different hiking places because just being trapped up in your place all day, um, I mean, you can only do that for so long. We're like six, seven months into this pandemic, and it's like, what the? What else do I do? You know? Um, so I don't know what uh, neighborhood you're in or if you've been exploring around, but uh, I know that yeah. you, yeah. Um, I know that you mentioned that you have a, a YouTube channel up, and um, yeah. it sounded hilarious. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Definitely, I've been doing some exploring. I live super close to a Golden Gate Park, so I tend to kind of wander around there when I get too bored. And then, <laughs> in between that, trying to put together a YouTube show. It's something that I've wanted to do for a really long time, but with the way that my day job was. Um, because of commuting, really, um, I didn't realize how much that like factored into my life. But it's basically working from home has given me back anywhere from like four to six hours a day of just like not losing it in traffic or getting ready and that kind of stuff. And with that extra four to six hours, I've been able to do extra creative stuff and started working on a YouTube show. It's called Plastic Class. Um, it's very similar in format, at least on the front end of it, to um, like your typical daily show type of interview show, funny content. Um, I'll be making creative segments, new segments, um, videos, songs, etc. Um, for different bits and segments on the show, we'll interview local comedians and musicians. And the plastered class aspect is basically during the interview part, myself and my guests will drink basically alcohol of choice um they will at the end of the show get an opportunity to do a powerpoint um for three to five minutes on a subject of their choice but they'll have to do the powerpoint drunk and they're encouraged to make it funny in some way and so they essentially if they get through the powerpoint the audience gives them a grade if they receive a passing grade they get to do a one minute plug on whatever they are working on at the time or basically um promote a charity that they would like someone to donate to so that's kind of the format of the show that we're working on i am just waiting on a piece of equipment <laughs> so that i could uh basically get um the audio that i have recorded compressed to be like youtube quality and from there um we're looking at launching at the end of december beginning of january like right after the new year wow that's really fun it uh it sounds almost like a like a game show, like it could be yeah. a, like a game show or, um, I just uh that is so fun. That sounds like a really great idea. Yeah, it's something super different. I just feel like people are kind of like cooped up in their houses. Not a whole lot of um variety. Um, there are a lot of shows that obviously are gonna do the interview talk format but obviously people want to get to know the guest um learn what they're interested about talk about current events and stuff but the tail end of the show is definitely something uh kind of unique like a little bit of drunk history a little bit of hot ones is kind of what i was going for um and i've always found both of those shows to be really fun as an audience member so i think taking elements of both could be something kind of different and fun for the guests fun for the audience and just kind of fun and different all around <laughs> that um yeah, I mean, that's that sounds like a ball. Um, yeah, so we have these uh, microphones wrapped up pretty tight here at Mutiny, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm like, I feel like I almost have to make out with this microphone to even, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're super, this is, it's cool. I mean, like, um, I know with this show and with Plastered uh, class, 
Um, you said it's, pla- it's called plastered class. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, with with that, I I don't know. Are you going to be doing it on Zoom, or is it, are they going to be coming in somewhere physically, or? A little of both. So um, <laughs> right now, obviously, with the current restrictions, I think that it would be easiest for comedians to do it through Zoom, and also total transparency. It's a lot easier for me to book people far away. Um, if they do it through Zoom. So I think I'll always present that as an option just so that I can always have the opportunity to work with somebody that's in, like, Florida or Boston or something that they can't drop by. But um, I live basically in an apartment that is in Richmond, and I have half of the apartment set up as kind of like a studio. So people are either welcome to do that um, if that's something they're comfortable with or renting a workspace is another option that I have. So it's really what the guest is comfortable with. And I plan to do little segments um, in between episodes where I kind of travel to local businesses and do some, like, uh, we'll call them basically, like, plastered class field trips, but we'll basically visit, like, local restaurants, um, local venues, businesses, etc. learn a little bit more about how they operate, um, and ideally um, keep the plastered class game kind of going in a unique way that uh, I'll tease through marketing and stuff like that at a later date, but that's kind of what we're working toward and sort of the format. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a really awesome idea. Um, did you say, I remember you were saying that, yeah, I mean, like, you've been doing comedy for a while, it sounds like. Uh, I'm about, it's interesting. So I've been writing comedy for a really long time. I uh, started my career working in radio and TV. Um, a lot of my job as both an intern and an assistant producer was doing a lot of booking and writing segments uh, for our show hosts and guests. So I've done a lot of writing in that way and started performing comedy about two years ago. Um, kind of just decided to get serious about it and give stage time to shop myself and kind of fell in love with it and planned to kind of pursue that really as my full-time thing from now on. So that's what I've been working toward and sort of shifting gears toward ever since. I'm new at it, but old at it at the same time. Yeah, I, um, yeah, so I, I fixed this microphone, so now I feel like I don't have to make out with this microphone. I had something over the top of it. Uh, um, yeah, I feel that way too. I feel like everyone just you're kind of at your own thing. You, I mean, you've done the the comic, um, comedy writing, and then you know, for me, like I I got into playing music very young at like six years old, and and then you know I got into podcasting pretty young, um, and yeah, I mean it's just like you you sound like you kind of do multiple things here, <laughs> like, um, but going into these businesses sounds fun too. It sounds like a nice that sounds like a really fun thing. I mean, when, I mean, even now, even when things are kind of locked down a little bit, just to, to walk in and be like, yeah, you know, we're, we're with plaster class or with, we're with mutiny radio.fm. And we're like, we're here to, you know, promote your business. Or no, I don't know. That sounds boring, but you know what I mean? It's just like to get the community involved. There's something that's so, no, totally. yeah. yeah. I'm glad that that's kind of how it landed with you. Cause that's ultimately sort of what, the vision for it was is like if I can manage to kind of garner an audience I would like to use the audience to kind of keep some visibility on local businesses and uh, show people how basically the community neighborhood business
businesses that are coping, how we're kind of working together um, to either put on shows or kind of support or cross-support each other and just kind of show a typical day of uh, kind of like a humorous walkthrough of how they basically run their business and obviously giving them a little bit of visibility with the extra audience that we can manage to put together. So um, just anything we can do to surface that and it's almost kind of works as like a little bit of vlogging and a little bit of free advertising for the business. So both of us kind of uh, win and get to make some cool content. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's so fun. You know, it's something, you know, with this pandemic and how we've been all, I think everyone, not even as a nonprofit radio station, but just in general, just everyone adapting to, um, to everything. And so I, I used to host these uh, house shows at my, uh, my place in Bernal, Bernal Mission, and I was and doing that. Neighborhood to have house shows. You actually have like yards and like the traditional, like San Francisco layouts of houses and stuff. It's such a cool neighborhood. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, shout out to the Bernalwood neighborhood. It's pretty punk rock. I don't know. I mean, like we got a lot of punk rock <laughs> bands around. But um, so we used to host these house shows once a month. But then when the pandemic hit, it was like to have more than five people at your place was like criminal. <laughs> you know and so um we got into uh so in two months into the pandemic we're like fuck we got to do something with our lives not really i mean we're always doing something here but um i uh i started live streaming these bands from the rooftop of uh, this place and uh we got a tiki bar so actually the first band that came over to play uh they were a little duo a chroma c they had um you know some some keyboards and have some some gear it's like hey could we just set up on your tiki bar you know it's just like oh sure you know and so we're joking around we're like this is tiki desk concerts that's really cool it's, i like that it's so ridiculous so i don't know i've been talking to pam and talking to some other comedians i'm like man you know maybe you know to have um a comedian over to do a set would be pretty funny yeah i'm sure you could definitely um I've seen people not do exactly that, but kind of stream on location, um, both open mics and shows, and they've been able to do it across a couple different video platforms and stuff and on the radio, so it's definitely doable, and I would definitely check it out if you decided to, so I'm sure a lot of comedians would be pretty excited about that. Yeah, um, no, but I remember you you know, saying just a couple minutes ago about you know, this pandemic, there's been a lot of good things that have come out of it. And um, maybe, you know, being an artist, you know, maybe all this stuff wouldn't have evolved as quickly. Um, but I mean, this, this, plas this, this YouTube channel sounds freaking hilarious. It sounds, yeah, it sounds as great that like, you have some sort of like a, a thing, you know, versus like Howard Stern, you just walk in, you're just kind of freestyling you know <laughs> like you have some sort of a, a thing what's cool I mean because you're looking at you know comedians and cars and, and and those types of um uh shows where maybe there's not there's some sort of a plot like you go out and get a cup of coffee somewhere you know or um yeah, yeah some kind of structure but uh man that really sounds that sounds really really awesome I um Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> it's funny. So what I so my whole thing with the so this is the JW Omega Wake show, and um and so my my uh 
my line is is I'm bringing in local artists and entrepreneurs for cupcakes, candies, and campfire stories. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just uh, it's it's great. You know, um, I've had a I've had a couple of uh, business owners actually call into the station. I had one actually um, a local bar called St. Mary's Pub, and so they started uh, making their own Bloody Mary mix uh, during this. Yeah, I mean it's just fucking amazing. I remember just moving into the the city. I don't know. Uh, how long you've been in the city for um but i i remember moving in the city i uh, lived in the east bay before and uh this bar that i lived next to had the best bloody mary's and so when i first moved to the city it was so hard to like find a good bloody mary it just tasted like watered down tomato juice until i found (laughs) this place and i'm right next to this st mary's pub they started they're actually bottled it so they have their own bloody mary mix now that they're bottling up and selling and so we had her on the show, and uh, she was talking about. I mean, I feel like being a bartender is an art in itself, you know. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not as That's much a of a really booze hound. Like innovation, though, and like way to adapt for sure is doing like any kind of like package mixer or anything distilled that you can make in house. Yeah, what's also cool about it too, if you're doing some sort of a mixer, is that it's not alcohol. So yeah, you could, exactly. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not as much of a booze hound as you'd think. I, uh, <laughs> I think I'm, I don't know. I'm more of a pothead. I think. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm not like too far in with both. I enjoy both, but I'm not someone that has like a a Jones or autism <laughs> either, like a, an urge. But I partake. <laughs> It's like if you're if, are you a cat person or a dog person? It's like are you a pot person or are you a drunk person? You know. <laughs> no, it's just like, I like both of those too. There's no such thing as a bad animal. There was I a, don't think there's really such thing as a bad drug either. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Actually, there definitely is. <laughs> yeah. So. I take all of that back. That's, that's so important. statement. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I felt like I was living under a rock, and you're talking about drugs. I. uh... I found out just two days ago that Bradley from Sublime overdosed in San Francisco. Yeah. I had I, no idea. I story about a guy that I used to work with um, in radio used to, or had a ticket to the show that was going to be in San Francisco, and he told me that he just remembers getting some kind of a notification or hearing on the radio that it got canceled, and he was all pissed. And um, that was the night that that happened, and he didn't find out until a couple of days later. But he still has the ticket. <laughs> wow, that's definitely a collector's item. I was, you know, the same, you know, someone I was talking to the other day, a couple of days ago. I never got into Sublime. I do appreciate it, especially now. Um, I think all the people that I didn't like liked Sublime, and that's maybe my bias against that. I I think he was an amazing songwriter. He had a lot of punk, um, reggae. Um, like he had all these different influences, definitely kind of invented his own philosophy. Uh, but I, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I went my whole life without knowing that that, that guy died like three miles away from where, where we're at, you know, or like just right on ocean beach. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that until I was in like easily my early twenties. For some reason, I always associated Bradley with SoCal. 
and so I just had assumed that when he died, it happened in SoCal, but yeah, that apparently happened really close there. <laughs> oh yeah, so that's what you're saying, I was tying that all back to, uh, you're saying good drugs and or bad drugs, and, and so what it was, and on the Wikipedia, it said that I guess the San Francisco heroin was a lot more uh, potent than the uh, Mexican um, black tar heroin that he was getting in Long Beach. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty... Have you ever um, paid attention to Hamilton Morris on any uh, radio shows before and, like, his assessments of drugs? I have I have not personally, no. I am, um, no. It's really interesting because, like, I was thinking about how I had said that there's definitely such things as bad drugs, and I still think that, but he's so well-educated on, like, the chemical aspect of drugs, how they affect the brain, how they affect the body, um, is so, like, educated and intelligent and articulate about all of it. He's one of the few people that not even to be an edgelord, but because he's so educated and intelligent, can actually make the case that drugs themselves are not bad. Um, it's basically our impulsiveness or relationship with them that kind of makes them bad and makes us become dependent. And it was really, out of all the, like, three-hour-long podcasts in the world that I have regretted, that one was not one of them. And I learned so much. And, like, it actually really taught me a lot about... Um, I don't know, really interesting things and like warped my view in terms of uh, I feel like a person makes a really good point point when they make you contradict or argue with yourself and it kind of made me did that, do that and kind of change my thinking about that so it's something that <laughs> if you haven't checked it out I would definitely recommend checking out some of his stuff he's really, really intelligent <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to check it out Was it Hamilton? Yeah, I have to, I, it sounds really familiar. I want to, almost wanted to say that I saw it, but yeah, I don't know. The whole drug addiction and um, the uh, the alcoholism and all that stuff, gosh, it's such a big thing for me. Uh, my, yeah, so my, uh, I had an uncle that actually uh, killed somebody back in the uh, 1950, 1952. Um, he was really horrible drunk, and uh, he told this guy he was at this bar in the East Bay, in like Pittsburgh or something or Concord and he told the guy he said if you're still here when I'm back I'm gonna kill you and so then he went uh, and got his gun and came back and blew his head off in the bar and then he spent his whole life in prison San Quentin where he became an artist and he painted these thousands and thousands of pictures and so I mean think I think it was a lot more than just alcoholism or there was definitely other drugs and, and stuff involved so I mean, my, my grandmother had these paintings all over her place, and, like, growing up as a kid, like, it was kind of like, you know, <laughs> it was kind of like uh, the blood was on the uh, the wall, you know, it was like, if you drink, you're you could, you're going to kill someone, you know, it was like, that was like the, the biggest thing for me, um, I think that's why I became a pothead instead, but um, the, uh, yeah, I don't know, it seems safer, but uh, I don't know, I mean, like, that, that whole thing is just, um, I've, I've, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I just, uh, I was pretty, it's like maybe for me and probably many other people out there too. I mean, alcoholism is a pretty, you know, serious thing and other kind of addictions, but, uh, um, it was just like, maybe when you see someone get eaten by a shark, you like, don't swim in the water 
or something. It was just... No, totally. Like, I have a lot of that, like, in my family as well, which is why, more or less, I just kind of know my composition um, and know that certain things just aren't for me because of that, if that makes sense. Um, I kind of tend to have a pretty addictive personality, and so certain things that I have an affinity for, like coffee, for example... Um, that's an example of like a very open flagrant addiction that I have. So that's an indication to me that like I couldn't be the type of person that could have a relationship with drugs that would be within my control, which is why I refrain or hesitate from doing that. Um, what he was saying is that he had experimented with literally every single one of them under the sun, even stuff that's been like created in a lab that we haven't heard of. And because for whatever reason, he doesn't have that aspect of his brain, um, like the addict brain per se. Um, it allows him to kind of look at it through the lens of like a scientist. Like this is quite literally for documentation purposes and he has no interest in it um, beyond studying. And I just think that like the difference in people and their relationship with chemicals and how they affect people differently is like super interesting. It's fascinating how the same thing could affect two completely or two different people completely differently. Yeah, I, I don't know. You mean using um, drugs recreationally? Uh, yeah, I mean that's great. I mean, like people running into addiction—that's that's great. I mean, like I feel like there's probably plenty of people. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I could do it. I mean, I could, I could. Uh, you know, I haven't done it. I mainly just smoke pot. I don't know. I don't do really hard drugs. I mean, too hard of drugs, I guess. I mean. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big... Never stuck a needle in my arm or anything. <laughs> I just like learning and hearing about stuff like that. I find, like, uh, for example, when people talk about their experiences with, like, psychedelics or their kind of comebacks from certain addiction experiences, I just find, like, different stories and different takes and all of the science behind it and psychology, like, really interesting. Uh, both because of my own not necessarily struggles with drugs, but because I've had people close to me and, like, family members and stuff that have had adverse relationships with them, but also just to kind of get a better understanding of the abroad problem. Um, I think that a person has to be able to understand something very, very well to uh, be able to make you feel or relate to something that you haven't done. Like, kind of shifting gears but like for example uh someone like hamilton morris has to be very educated and smart um and have a really broad scope of knowledge to be able to talk about drugs and chemicals the way that he does to make you feel as though even though you haven't tried them you have pretty good into how they affect you uh what that means as well as like the effects of addiction like, for example, when you try to explain something like depression <laughs> to somebody that's never had it, they're often really skeptical. And no matter how hard you try, or at least me, because I don't have the psychology background or, like, broad scope of knowledge that someone like a Hamilton Morris does in their respective fields, I don't know how to articulate that well where someone can immediately grasp what it means and agree with what I'm saying and have it kind of change how they look at that. And um, that's something that if a person hasn't felt it, <laughs> it's really hard to explain to someone. It's almost like trying to describe a color 
um, how do you explain the nuts and bolts of something, you know what I mean, that is beneath the adjective itself, and so I'm always really impressed with people that can, um, I guess, educate people on stuff like that, even though they haven't experienced it. It's important to be compassionate and understanding about things like that. Yeah, I um, I really I like everything. No, um, it's a it's a big topic of um, you know, I feel like it's kind of a center point of, you know, and I, and but how you mentioned color, like that's 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 so huge. I remember just I mean that's a philosophy right there for you. It's like you know, I'm sure everyone remembers when they were a kid. It's like, you know, what if the color that you think of being blue, what if that color was red to somebody else, and that um. And that kind of thing, it's like you don't really know what somebody else, what color they're seeing. They just know that this color is blue and this is what's blue to them. But who knows what they're really seeing? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think about that stuff all the time. I'm actually a little bit colorblind. Um, and it's really, really rare for girls to be colorblind because of like how pattern genetics works, but I have trouble between like certain shades of orange and certain shades of brown. I can't tell them apart. (laughs) And I had found out about that because I was wearing clothes that I thought matched. I thought that I was wearing like, like darker brown pants and a shirt that kind of contrasted it a little bit, but (laughs) it turned out to be the, the colors that other people saw were mismatched and the colors that I saw looked good together (laughs) and that was kind of how I found out I was colorblind by not being able to see a certain range of brown so what everyone else saw was really mismatched which is crazy but even though that's kind of something that people talk about in like different like quantum perspectives or theories it's actually sort of a true thing for colorblind people (laughs) because we really don't see what you guys see you know and so I, I get pinks and purples. That's my my area of color blindness. I I pink and purple. Yeah, they just kind of I dyed my hair purple and they're like saying it's pink. I'm like I think it's purple. But um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How did you find out you were colorblind? Um, so I similar too. I I uh, I went to um, I went to some place. I was in high school, and I bought this shirt that I thought was pink or not I thought it was purple but it turned out it was pink and it said it was pink and uh yeah I mean yeah I mean there's so many different shades of uh yeah so I went to I was um I was in the East Bay I was raised in a uh, San Ramon Castro Valley right there I don't know how familiar you are with the East Bay and I walked into uh this Marshall's <laughs> To, uh, you know, I'm looking for something to, you know, go to, you know, freshman ball or maybe, you know, maybe the junior ball or something. And um, finding a, a pink shirt that matched the, you know, my, the junior prom date who I was going with. And so I went there and I saw that this is pink. And I, I didn't think for a second. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe I was trying to get something purple. I forget. I mean, that tells you how colorblind I am. I don't know. Um, so they, uh, I went there and I got this. Oh, this is going to match. And then I, you know, so this doesn't match. 
And so that's how I figured it out. Um, that's funny. Yeah, crazy story. I actually got my car stolen junior prom night in the suburbs. Uh, yeah, it was strange. I don't know. It was uh, Applebee's. There's always something shady going on at Applebee's, but there's an Applebee's. Why are you the second person I know that's gotten their car stolen from an Applebee's. Are you serious? That's fucking hilarious. I wonder if we're the same person. That seems pretty rare. <laughs> it happened to my friend when I lived in Tracy, and uh, it wasn't on prom, but he was like a server there, and um, it got stolen out of the parking lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, we'd gotten this hotel, um, at the Homestead Hotel in San Ramon, right off of Bollinger Canyon Road. It's probably been called a million different things after that. Who knows what it's called now? And it was in the same parking lot as an Applebee's. And so I was, you know, I'm definitely underage. I'm maybe like 17 years old and we're drinking, we're drinking. So I'm just like, I mean, like. We're drinking, we're not, we're illegally drinking, and there's no way in fuck I'm going to drive my car. So I gave my keys to actually my friend, and they had another, you know, hotel. I was just like, hey, can you just take these keys for me so I don't, you know, drive off? And so I, I, wo- I went to sleep, and then I woke up the next day, and I went out to my car, and my car wasn't there. And I'm just like, oh, my friend's fucking with me. <laughs> because we're in the suburbs, you know? <laughs> we're like yeah. in San Ramon. It's like a suburb. <laughs> inexperienced and naive when stuff like that happened like I've had my car towed and it got impounded and at the time I was like so broke that I didn't have the money to get it out of the impound place so it turned into like this haggle back and forth to get my car back for like a week and a lot of money later and a very very grave mistake and learning experience but I never messed up parking or didn't read a sign properly ever again (laughs) So it's fun. like it's so easy to walk into those traps because like who thinks about that when you're like 17 you know what i mean you were thinking about getting like 17 year old drunk with your friends on oh yeah i As mean you should yeah i mean then nobody i mean like nobody i mean like he he's like yeah you know i, I didn't what are you talking about i have your keys right here and then um and then my, my dad's a firefighter i worked at the local cafe so i knew all the cops and whatever and then so one of the um firefighters one of my dad's like friends firefighter friends gave me a call he's like hey you know what justin you know that's my biological name i go by jw um but he said you know what if you ran your stuff into a ditch somewhere you know you're you don't want to be caught in insurance fraud like they were thinking because where my car got stolen i'm in the suburbs they're like no fucking way you could you wouldn't think it would have gotten stolen there right but it was gone and my friend honestly he didn't take it so, um, so that had happened. So what ended up happening, this is back in the early 2000s, uh, is that we got something in the mail saying that they're going to auction off my car because it was parked somewhere illegally. And so, um, so what it was, so we went, I went to go and they broke the window, which wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but they had blown the ignition fuse which was about, you know, I think it's 75 cents or something for a fuse, and it started right up. They had wired in a subwoofer into my car. <laughs> so, That's yeah, crazy. it was the weirdest thing ever. It just didn't even make any sense. It just uh, So then I, I drove off in my car with a broken window and a 
subwoofer in the back. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty weird. But uh, I mean, were you? I mean, are you? Were you from? Are you from um, Texas or? Um, that's an interesting story. So I grew up mainly in California, but right at the beginning of college, my dad got transferred um, to. I went to a community college because I was in a band um, at the end of high school and wanted to stay like closer to home to be able to do that for a couple years just to see where it went, but still not fall behind on school. So that was the easiest way. And um, right in the middle of that, my dad had gotten transferred to Dallas. So I went with my family through the move and that kind of stuff. Uh, that lasted for about one semester because of like residency stuff. So I basically lived in Dallas for like six to nine months, uh, got a phone while I lived there, moved <laughs> back and never really changed my number since because I had already ported like all my contacts over like three times prior to that. And I was just sick of doing it. So uh, I only lived there for like under a year and my family lived in Texas for like four or five years, I think. Yeah, I... Uh... I've never been to Dallas, but I don't know. I just, the first time I went to, to Texas, I just kind of imagined these cowboys in the desert or something. And I remember getting off the plane in Houston. So I was, I never went to Dallas, but I went to Houston. I was like, holy shit, this is like a city. It's like, I don't know, Texas is pretty cool. I, I think I must have went there the best two weeks of the year. Someone is mentioning I was hanging out in Galveston which is an island, if anyone listening, in, um, an island that's just right off of Houston, Texas. And I felt like I was in freaking Hawaii. And uh, I said, man, man, this is freaking awesome. I feel like I'm in Hawaii. And then one of the guys that worked at this resort that we were at was saying that um, this is the best two weeks of the year. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, like six to nine months, That's 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 not too long. That's funny that you have the number, though. That's awesome. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you got into writing comedy. You you were in a band in high school. It sounds like you're kind of like an all-time quarterback or something, you know? <laughs> I uh, definitely have lived an interesting life, and it's like mostly by accident, to be really honest. It's just I found that I sort of moved away from Texas in kind of a risky way. I had moved back and actually lived with a friend in, like, a spare room and had done that for several months before I, uh, I had found a job when I flew back here to visit them, so that was, like, lined up before I got there, so they had given me a place to stay, but I was basically kind of, like, couch surfing and going to school, um, when I first moved out here, but that ended up kind of working out, um, you just sort of dig yourself these holes and work your way out of them and see a pattern of like, well, I could take these risks and it's going to give me a lot of anxiety and it'll probably fuck me up for a couple of months, but if I overcome this thing, it's going to put me in a way better position and a way happier position than I would have been if I had not taken those risks and I had not have failed or learned those lessons or 
had to learn how to adapt to this new situation I threw myself into. And um, that, I guess, is why I've sort of been Sick able swim. to... I get work done, but like the best way I can put it is I work to live. I don't live to work. Um, and so I've always taken risks for both art, career, finishing school, whatever it might be, to put myself in that next best position. It sucks at first always, but it figures itself out, and through those experiences, I've gotten to do, like, I don't know, everything from, like, interns during the World Series, where I got to go for free and, like, work that broadcast or interview Colin Kaepernick or... Did you actually interview him? And like that kind of stuff, just through being in the right place and the right time by complete accident. And so... That's badass. Not even triumphant, but just kind of by failing in the right place and the right time. So you really... It kind of popped up in situations <laughs> where I got opportunities. <laughs> yeah, the whole, you know, Colin Kaepernick thing, gosh, you know, that that's such a wild thing to reflect on. Um, 2020 has been a bumpy year, but, you know just moving beyond this I feel like I, I like that it's it's a winter season that we're coming up on December and that we're almost done with this year so we can leave it in the past but with Colin Kaepernick and that whole thing that's awesome that you got to be a part of that during when it was first you know kind of surfacing I think people had a lot of opinions about it me personally I never identified Colin Kaepernick as being a black <laughs> Or anything. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of blind. I'm really blind when it comes to that stuff. I don't, I don't, I never identified with him as being black. So that was yeah. the strangest thing for me when, you know, and, you know, him doing what he did. And I'm glad that he did. Um, but I didn't identify him as being black. I identified him as being like a fucking badass quarterback. Yeah. You know, like I didn't. Yeah. So that, that was, what well, that was. That was pretty strange, but I guess, yeah. That's cool that you were yeah. a part of that. That was quite a movement. Yeah, it was interesting to see how, like, being there firsthand. So what it was is I just had gotten to interview on the press. It was uh, one of the first games that they had at Levi Stadium, and I was still doing sports broadcasts at the time. So I had a press pass to a game there and got to do some of the, like, pre- and post-game um, just basically working as like a runner and a uh, note taker basically for some of the reporters at the station that I worked for. And he was one of the people obviously um, as like team spokesman and stuff that was doing the press conference. It was like him, Harbaugh, and two other players. I want to say Patrick Lewis was one of them and I don't remember the last one. But it was just like a regular press panel conference, but it was interesting that it was happening around the time that he was starting to be talked about and almost like vilified by other parts in the media and what other people had broadcasted versus how he actually acted were very different. He's like a very like smart, balanced, um, I don't know, really professional temperament and like, even to me, who was, like, really new at her job at the time, and, like, wasn't particularly confident in kind of learning the ropes, which is why they gave me sort of this early part of the season game to sort of work through. Um, it was a little lower stakes, obviously, than, like, a really important playoff game or something, and uh, he was really nice and, like, easy to talk to and not 
problematic or disruptive in any way. Um, but you would have never known that watching TV in the way that it was talked about, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, for me, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, Pam and Pam just walked in here too. I just, everyone, I think whether you're a comedian or not even like, um, you're just somebody, a public figure or somebody that gets some sort of, you know, maybe not necessarily fame, but like a attention where you have everyone that's looking at you. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, that's really just, you know, if you're, you know, Colin Kaepernick, I mean, that's him, that's his name. That's who he's at. That's, you know, that's his personal identity. And mm-hmm. so for me, and so I've, I've had some experiences with that, you know, going by my biological name and stuff. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm JW Blunt, you know, people are, <laughs> people are after JW Blunt, not after me, you know, <laughs> maybe it's all in my head, but I don't know. It's interesting though. Like you said, you know, how they vilified it. And I think everyone could, you know, relate to that is that just in general, like maybe it could be anyone, like you just be out there and like, you're a nice person trying to do a good thing for the universe. And then people have their opinions. Well, People just have their opinions about J.W. Blunt, you know, <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's. I try, I try my best to give people the benefit of the doubt at first. Like, you never know the context that something was set in, or you never know what little tidbit of information that they might be trying to capitalize on. So it's always good to like be balanced and objective, and give people a real chance to show you who they are. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, more often than not, when I have given someone a chance or been patient with someone, even on like a celebrity level, I have usually not regretted it. And I've usually, uh, in going with my gut and being like, ah, eh, this guy's probably pretty okay. And like, probably doing the right thing. And this is probably like a slam piece or something. But I've usually been right. And it's usually been something that was very much the opposite of how it was portrayed. So. And like you said, I would not want somebody to learn one snippet about one thing maybe that I said, taken completely out of context or did or whatever the case may be, right? Like whatever nugget of information someone might have um, and using it to like ruin people's perception of me in a way that's totally unfair. Yeah. So, I mean, um, so Sarah, do you, I was going to ask, do you have like do you have a, you just go by your straight up name, huh? Um, my birth last name is spelled different, but Carrie is my last name, so Sarah that's what I go with. And the reason that's that cool. I spell it differently is because, like, I just don't want my LinkedIn <laughs> name to be searchable. Um, and I don't want it conflicting with comedy before I'm able to do comedy full time, so <laughs> I just don't want to. I work, um, during the day in like a PR type role which when most of the stuff that you talk about is like dirty or drug related or <laughs> some weird story that's just problematic and not great for the brand uh, <laughs> it's good to keep those in two totally separate lanes so that's kind of why I do that and we'll see what happens with it the way I look at that too is like I'm fairly new um, at comedy I'm more concerned about using whatever time I can get to get good and that takes a really really long time so like fretting or like stressing about a name or something to commit to this early just feels super cart before the horse anyway 
I just really, really want to get good enough at comedy to be able to do it full-time and not get fired in the interim because I do comedy, and that seems like the most solvent way to keep those things separate. Yeah. I feel like it's cool that you're doing this um, this show, this YouTube show, because I feel like it's somewhere, in, you know, in the, the interim, you know, like you're, you're a comedian, yeah. you're a musician, you're, you know, you're doing everything, um, not you know, a lot of things. And to have that, you know, as, as an outlet and having other comedians come through and to do that is, you know, that's a really fun to, to have that. Um, yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like a ball. It sounds like <laughs> a ball. I that. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, it's cool. I don't know. I feel like this has been a, a really interesting time for everyone. But as being an artist, I know eventually if we ever get through this, which I'm preparing, I mean, we are going to get through this, you know, but um, I feel like I've gotten so much out of this. I've gotten so much material out of this that I don't know. I've been able to make a lot of bread, you know, I guess <laughs> over the pandemic it sounds like you are as well and that you guys are are doing something really fun too uh the um they have this open mic at bizarre cafe i know you did you say you're in the are you in the you're by the park you said so are you on the sunset or the richmond side um richmond side but i'm central richmond so oh, cool. it's really subjective and no way sunset anyway yeah so they're that's so badass Okay, so um, there's this um, cafe, this local artist cafe called Bizarre Cafe. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yes, I have heard of it. Yeah, so they, they've been doing, they've adapted with the times, and they started doing a, a virtual open mic. And so that has been fun, but they've been open. They have that big patio in the back. So they're on 20th in California. And so they, they open at 10 o'clock, and I've been making it a Thursday thing every Thursday, going there and having a cup of coffee. And um, I guess I'm just trying to build a tribe, I guess. <laughs> but I'm making it a, a Thursday thing, so I don't know what you guys, what you're doing or what you guys are doing over there in the Richmond on Thursdays at 10 o'clock. But, um, yeah, I mean, the they have this breakfast biscuit that's mind-blowing. It's just so good. Yeah, Thursdays pretty open it would just depend what time you typically host and do that because i usually can't leave until like around four or five but if it's in the evening or something uh that's something i can definitely make myself and would be more than happy to steer other comics doing stuff <laughs> yeah sarah this has been so much fun i don't know i know that you have a zoom thing coming up and i, I don't want to you know take you from that i was gonna um be playing this local band. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're called the Lucy's. Um, they're from San Francisco. They're this punk fucking rock and roll band that um, they came over in July and, and played a set. So it's been really fun. I, I'm sure you're probably still playing music too. It sounds like you're doing a lot though. Yeah, I mean, I play casually now at home, but it's not something that part of why I kind of chose comedy is like one, I just sort of had more immediate fun doing it um it's something i had aspired to for a long time but also you don't really have to rely on other people to go practice 
where with a band, once you start working and, like, graduate school and all that, it's really hard to coordinate with other people, like, three to four times a week to practice in a band and stuff. So I still play, but because of scheduling and all that stuff, I don't know if I see myself, like, doing it seriously again with comedy and life and all of that. And the fact that you have to find time on a calendar with four other people's lives just doesn't seem realistic anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you have it. I don't know. It's something that's there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I like to consider yeah, myself a, a comedic. Great during quarantine, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I like to consider myself a comedic singer-songwriter. I just me? um no me myself um. Oh, very cool. <laughs> I like to. I I I just feel like with music, it's a lot of times based off of energy and like what the song, what it feels like versus what somebody's saying. So for me, it's a joke, and it's it's funny for me, and the lyrics and everything that I have. But if you're singing it, people don't. It's like I don't know if you we had this thing. Uh, we used to yell at people when we were like kids on the road, and we'd be like yelling, "Excuse me, sir," and just like yelling it out. You know, I mean, just like "Excuse me," and just like saying like whatever to try to get whoever's attention is outside. And something I realize, and I'm tying that back to uh, with music, it's just like you hear something, and it takes it takes a couple seconds for someone to hear it, and if you know, it takes they almost like digest it. They almost audio wise, they just you know di um, digest it with their ears. It's like it takes it takes like a, a couple seconds for them to hear it, and then it takes even longer for them to realize what you're saying. So I felt like it was kind of similar to like yelling something out a window, and, but um, <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. It is a real thing. I don't know. I I'm glad that I had my um, pretend road rage as a as an adolescent, and because it was just people would people would would look over and be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know, they just like look over. And they they wouldn't know what was going on. It would take them three seconds to find out that somebody was yelling at them, and then. <laughs> And then, you know, it would take another 10 seconds to, to figure out how they're going to communicate back or if they're going to. Um, and so that's what I feel like. I don't know. It is like that. with I feel like that way with music, too. And so um, there was a song. Uh, was it May 29th last year? It was the first time I was at Pam. I met Pam in the back of Benders. She brought me on uh, her Some Call Me Tim on Wednesdays uh, at, at 2 o'clock. Might have been noon. I forget. Yeah, but I'll post it. But uh yeah, we I'd written this uh, this song was totally improvised, and so I feel like that's the connection with comedy and and uh, with music is you know you could improvise both. You could be a you know improv comedian, and uh, I feel like there's a lot of that with music too. Or yeah, so. Uh, yeah, definitely. This has been a total uh, ball. I don't know. I mean, like if you have to go to a Zoom, uh, you know, I'm just yeah. not sure what time that is, and I don't want to. Yeah, I probably should go and because they're going to probably test um, <laughs> Zoom, like uh, cameras and all that stuff before the show. So it'd probably be good for me to be able to. Yeah, that, totally. It's been awesome talking to you. Yeah, and, this uh, has been a blast. I've been nerding out over here with multiple camera angles and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, so um, yeah, maybe I'll catch you next Thursday at Bazaar. I'll yeah, but uh, good luck with your I don't know, li living in the moment. But good luck with your Zoom. I was going to play this uh, Lucy's Tiki Desk concert back um, if you want to keep on listening. But uh, <laughs> it's been a really good time. Yeah, it's 
definitely uh, stick around to the Lucy's, but thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, stay in touch, um, and I'll try to check out Thursday um, and hope to see you there. Perfect. All right. All right. Thanks again. All right. No problem. Alrighty, got Sarah Carey came in. She's got this uh, YouTube thing. Sounds really fun and exciting. Uh, we have some open uh, outdoor comedy here, 21st in Florida. Uh, coming up here at 7 o'clock, we're going to open up Mike at 6. Uh, we just played a couple new singles today. It is uh, starting to get cold outside. People are uh, starting to feel like that time of the year again. I am going to be playing back... Um, band that we had come over and play at Tiki Desk Concerts back in July and uh, God, they fucking rock yeah, the Lucy's oh yeah yeah, so we're going to be blasting the Lucy's and then after that, we're going to be having some open mic comedy at 6 o'clock yeah, so here it is here come the Lucy's To Tiki Desk Concert. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are in beautiful San Francisco. Thanks so much to JW Blunt, the candy man of the JW Megawake Show. We have bands for you today. Two bands. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I do comedy. I do music radio. You'll be able to hear this live later this week. This first band up tonight. Put your hands together, everyone, for the Lucy. Woo!
This is a song from the two-song EP, Honey, that was released not too long. Also, the single that was released not too long ago.
I can't even remember past that. That's four minutes ago. I'll get you.
songs during quarantine but you forget them sometimes.
or two? One or two? Why don't we have just one more? Wait, how many? Two more. Oh, what's left? <laughs> we have three more. We have hide and go, squeeze, and drive. You got it? Yeah. Hide and go, squeeze, and drive? Yeah. Let's just do two. Let's do hide and go. Hide and go, squeeze, and drive. Okay. <laughs> of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tebow of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two people's paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke 
workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Hey you, poetry reader, this is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay, we also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast, zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it and don't let the poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry.